2: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl champions, and we're talking wide receiver prospects on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz, joined by Matthew Friedman of Fantasy Labs and the Action Network. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers play an impressive defensive game. The offense was able to do enough to keep the Chiefs at bay. They are Super Bowl champions. Matt, what did you make of this game and how impressed are you by the turnaround that the Bucs made this year?
1: Yeah, I mean the turnaround was super impressive. You uh, I mean you knew they had talented skill position players You knew that their defense was coming along it especially improved last year in the second half Um, And yeah, you just kind of figured I mean the thesis was even if Tom Brady Wasn't all that great as long as he could avoid the interceptions that the Bucks had with Jameis Winston That could be a team that would go pretty far in the playoffs uh, Or at least could make the playoffs and Uh, I mean, obviously they did better than that and Brady was better than obviously what we saw out of him in 2019 Um, You know still one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So really impressive effort as for the game um, I mean I I honestly don't know what to say like the, the chiefs I think a lot of their problems just stemmed from their offensive line. I was surprised that with the extra week of preparation, they weren't able to scheme around weaknesses with their offensive line. It felt like they basically didn't acknowledge like we're going against a very good defensive line. One of the best in the leagues and our offensive line is destroyed and we need to compensate for that. They didn't really make, at least it doesn't seem as if they made a lot of adjustments. Um, it was kind of their normal offense, which you can't do in that situation. So, uh, you know, a, a kind of a weird game to watch, you know, like who would have expected the chiefs not to score a touchdown. Pretty amazing. Uh, I thought, I mean, I know Brady won the MVP and at this point I'm just, you know, like filibustering, uh, just talking to talk, but I mean, I feel like I actually have stuff to say, but also I'll just we'll, get, we'll into say it. say you it. know, like, like Brady, you know, he won the MVP, but I thought Mahomes was the better quarterback like Mahomes under the circumstances like some of the throws that he was making and escaping pressure as much as he did like he was pressured on an incredibly high percentage of his dropbacks. he was having to to run back like 20 yards just to avoid being sacked you know as he's like falling to the ground he's throwing pinpoint passes that are literally hitting his guys in the face mask and they're not catching the ball you know like if he had been helped out even just a little bit, so much could have been different. I don't think they still would have won. Um, you know, there were just a lot of things going right for the bucks, but it would have been a, a much closer game, a much more exciting game. Um, but, you know, as it was, mm-hmm. I got, you know, pretty lucky with a lot of things just in terms of betting. You know, I was on the wrong side in terms of the Chiefs. I was on the Chiefs, but I was lucky that I was on the under and I was on the unders for a lot of passing props, uh, except for Kelsey, who continued to smash just because he gets targeted at such a high rate. Uh, So, you know, from from a betting perspective, it was actually pretty good. And I mean, I know we're never going to have a situation where a running back wins, but come on, like (laughs) Leonard Fournette, was he was reasonably close to winning MVP if some things had gone just a little bit differently. Like, in terms of the big picture setup, if you were betting on Fournette to win MVP, and I bet on him at uh, 30-1 to to win MVP, what you were hoping for was a low-scoring game, uh, essentially for the Buccaneers' defense to take the Chiefs' offense out of it. You would hope that Brady doesn't have that great of a game, And you would hope that Fournette has, you know, like at least 20 touches and has over a hundred yards from scrimmage. Like we had all of that, the under hit, like they were well under 55 and a half points. The chiefs didn't score a touchdown. Brady barely passed for more than 200 yards and Fournette had 135 yards from scrimmage on 20 touches. He had a touchdown. And if the team had just given him the ball instead of Ronald Jones, having the ball on the one-yard line. Fournette maybe has multiple touchdowns in that game. At that point, he's a live candidate for MVP. So it, it it was frustrating that that didn't work out. If it didn't work out this year, it didn't work out last year with Damian Williams. It didn't work out a couple of years before that with James White. It's probably never going to work out. It's pretty much just always going to be a situation where a quarterback wins MVP for the Super Bowl. That was annoying. But I mean, by and large, a good sports betting day for me and I mean you know what can you say about Tom Brady just uh I mean somehow the guy's just going to be 50 and still winning Super Bowls
2: um I thought that there was and, and I agree with the assessment of Mahomes I actually thought Mahomes played a really good game when you consider all the things that were going on or maybe even if you don't say that he played a really good game he truly demonstrated the things that allow him to be special Things clearly did not go their way. I think from a game-planning standpoint, it sure looked like they got out-game-planned pretty uh, pretty egregiously or did not make the necessary adjustments as the game went on to account for the issues they were having on the offensive line. Um, But I definitely did not leave that game having any negative uh, impression of Mahomes. One thing I want to go back to here, Matt, though, is you're pretty impassioned here about Leonard Fournette not getting the MVP. I'm going to ask you two questions. The first one, I want a simple yes yeah. or no. Do you actually think that the performance that Leonard, Leonard Fournette put up merited an MVP award? And I don't want the retort of, well, did Brady's. Did Leonard Fournette's yeah. performance alone merit MVP consideration? Do you seriously think that? No,
1: no. I, okay. I don't think it's close to MVP consideration. Okay. But uh- the thing is, as, as you sort of mentioned there, I don't think Brady did either like what you're hoping for is just a chaotic situation uh, in which a quarterback kind of disqualifies himself. And then a running back plays well enough or has the stats that are good enough to where it's almost impossible not to give him the award. And I'm saying that we were actually pretty close to that.
2: Okay, I'm not going like, to deny that. Yeah. But I think that there's one important component here that you did not mention. And I think that the name recognition a player heads into with the game needs to be of a certain level outside of there being some type of insane performance. I think that if it was the Minnesota Vikings that were in that game, right and you don't have a quarterback with a name recognition like brady and you have a running back with a name recognition like dalvin cook maybe they get the award but outside of a situation like that i just don't think it goes to running backs in a game like the one Fournette put up right
1: i actually i think that's right i think if everything about the game is exactly the same uh but it's kirk cousins and dalvin cook instead of tom brady and leonard fournette i think you're right right i think dalvin cook wins wins the award
2: Okay, so I'm just going to pull this back now to a fantasy perspective because we haven't talked that much in the Super Bowl discussions about fantasy implications. But let's say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next season look pretty similar to the version we have now. And you do have Tom Brady and a backfield that were to consist of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Of those backs, are you more interested in one over the other by a wide enough margin that you care to, uh, you know, kind of elaborate on it?
1: I would be interested in whoever is cheapest. Got it. Okay.
2: That's, yeah, that's really it. So it kind of remains the toss-up that it has felt like for a while, except for where there was, you know, stretches where one player was suffering with health issues. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Any other... um major fantasy takeaways that you have for either of these teams if not that's fine
1: uh not really i mean a lot of it is very much what we saw during the season yep um you know just continue to be impressed by the extent to which travis kelsey is basically being used like a number one receiver you know that's that's something to keep in mind
2: for the future got it okay um so I know that there have been some coaching changes that have happened in some NFL news and notes type of pieces. Uh, We are going to delay talking about those, though, because I do want to get into talking about wide receiver prospects. Um, We are going to be publishing two shows a week now. So we are going to be doing... A show that comes out Tuesday, half hour long approximately, and then a Friday show. This week, we're now going to talk about some of the wide receivers. Um, And then in the next show this week, we'll talk about some of the less-hyped wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, You're going to be hearing a lot of talk about them coming up, so I figure it makes sense to get out of the way. We are going to start with Jamar Chase, a name I have to imagine everybody listening to this podcast has heard. Uh, He is a 6'1", 208-pound wide receiver, out of LSU, a school that has put together a lot of very solid wide receivers as of late, most notably Justin Jefferson. Matt, a lot of people have Jamar Chase as the number one overall player in the class. Does that seem reasonable to you?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's totally reasonable. Um I have him as the well okay let, let me ask just for some clarification yep. do you mean number 1 overall player in terms of like uh dynasty rankings or number 1 overall in terms of like this is the most talented player in the court in the class from like a uh, a raw football perspective
2: okay fair question let's do it from a um dynasty perspective so if you're putting together a set of rookie dynasty rankings right now trying to project the player that's going to carry the most value into his NFL career from a fantasy lens.
1: Yeah, I have him number three. It's behind Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. He's the number one receiver for me. And, you know, I think if you're going from a longer term perspective, then Jamar Chase as the number one player is fine. Um, I'm also kind of trying to think of, you know, like positional need and what's happening with the rest of the class here. And to me, there's just such a massive drop between Etienne and Harris and all of the other running backs that it makes sense for them to be at the top of the board.
2: Got it, because as we talked about when we went over the running backs last week, it is really top-heavy, and there's not many players that are exciting at all behind Etienne and Harris. Jamar Chase looks like, for many people that view fantasy from the lens that we have, is by and large the number one player. Only played two seasons, did not play in 2020. Um, as a freshman in 2018, had... 23 receptions, 313 yards, three touchdowns. Of course, there were talented wide receivers there. Then in 2019, really explodes. 84 receptions, 1,780 yards, over 21 yards per reception, 20 receiving touchdowns, receiving dominator of .33. That is a super impressive season. So I think it's pretty clear to see why. People were excited that uh, season came ending at an age of 19.8. Do you have any concerns, Matt, about the fact that we really only have a body of work that spans one season?
1: No, um, because it was when he was so young that uh, I I think it's fine. You know, like we want to see guys really ball out when they're young and if they uh, don't do anything, um, you know, in their junior season, like that's basically like Josh Gordon, uh, you know, back in the day, like it, it was fine. Like he was still uh, such an elite prospect because of what he did when he was younger. So we have a similar situation here with Jamar chase. And then especially the fact that he's going to be 21 years old as a rookie. He has good size. He was a four star recruit. You know, he's going to be drafted in the top 10, maybe the top five. Um, yeah. No hesitation with anything about him at all.
2: Yeah, me either. And as I mentioned earlier, he was playing with Justin Jefferson. And then LSU also has a good receiver in Terrace Marshall uh, Jr. So it's not like there was this clear path to him just compiling those numbers or anything like that. I think he's very talented. The player for most people behind Jamar Chase is Devonta Smith, who we saw go absolutely insane um, in 2020 for Alabama, especially in the... um, in the college football playoffs and in the championship game. Now, Smith is a smaller prospect, does stand six feet, one inches tall, but only weighs 175 pounds. Some people are concerned about this. I think that is a fair concern. Across his career, did not do too much as a freshman in 2017, finished that year as a 19.1-year-old freshman, Takes a progression in 2018, 693 yards and 42 rec, six touchdowns. Then in his junior season, we start to see those really large numbers in 13 games, over 1,200 receiving yards, 14 receiving touchdowns. And then, as I mentioned, 2020, truly outstanding 13 games, 1,856 receiving yards, 20 three touchdowns receiving dominator that year of 0.47 so you are looking at a pretty impressive career overall Um, without even adjusting for draft position you see some impressive comps in his sims in the rotoviz box score scout you see guys like odell beckham jr tavon austin Corey coleman i know they didn't work out but they were really sought after prospects brandon cooks john ross calvin ridley jerry judy cd lamb The profile is certainly there. You can't deny him as a prospect. I will say, however, I actually don't have him ranked two. Are you buying into this Devonta Smith hype? Are you concerned about the size? Um, Are you lower than where the rest of the community seems to be on him?
1: I have him number three. So I don't, I don't think that's egregious, but you know, some, some people would have him number two and I'm not there. I'm not too worried about the size. Okay. You know, I wish he were a little bit bigger, but I mean, he's basically, um, like Marvin Harrison size, you know? So, you know, there's, there's a precedent for a guy with that build having success in the NFL. Um, the thing that is a little frustrating with him is that um, I actually don't know how much he comps to some of the guys you mentioned, because I think that many of those guys broke out when they were younger. And, you know, in 2017, as uh, a freshman, did very little. In 2018, he did take a step forward, but he was still not like a a dominator by any means on, on that team. He played behind Jerry Judy. He played behind Henry Ruggs. He played behind Jalen Waddle. He even played behind Irv Smith Jr. Like he was the yep. number five pass catching option on that team. And that's even though he was older at the time than Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, they were in the same class, but he was older and he was a year ahead of Jalen Waddle, but Waddle played ahead of him. So it's it's a situation where despite everything that Devontae Smith has done since then. You know, because it is impressive that the year after that, even with all of those guys on the team, he was the number one receiver. And then, of course, this past year, I mean, Heisman winner, like fantastic player, even though he's done all of those things since then, it's a little bit troubling that when he was a sophomore, when Judy was balling out and when Ruggs was playing ahead of him and Waddle as a true freshman was playing ahead of him, Smith was the number four uh, wide receiver and still playing behind Irv Smith Jr. who outproduced him as a tight end. So I don't know. That gives me more concern than the size. But of course, you know, like we saw what he did. We know he's going to be drafted highly. I can't knock him down much further just because he didn't ball out when he was young. Um, Also, it is a little bit annoying that he's going to be a 23-year-old rookie, but
2: I don't know. I don't hold that against him all that much. I think you made a lot of really good points there, and you kind of hit upon a lot of the things that I was going to say. Now, I think a pushback that listeners might have is they might say, well, you just, when you were talking about Jamar DeMar Chase, gave him the qualifier of the fact that he was playing with these other really solid receivers. But what we were talking about was he had that one season, which really would have been his sophomore season. And when you're trying to split hairs between a player like Chase and a player like Smith, I think that... You know, playing fifth in that depth chart, right? That's a bit different than not get going as a freshman. Um, so I think the body, that like the whole corpus of work that you're looking at there, is a little bit different. And then on top of that, Jalen Waddle only played five games in 2020, right? Yeah. If Waddle is there, those numbers could look pretty different for Smith. So I actually have Jalen Waddle as my number two wide receiver in the class, and this goes back to the fact that. As a freshman, he did finish the year at 20.1, so, you know, maybe a little bit older. Um, Finishes his, uh, excuse me, junior season at 22.1, so he's not wildly old, right? 884 yards as a freshman, seven touchdowns, 13 games as a sophomore, only 560 yards, six touchdowns, and then in five games in 2020, 591 receiving yards, four touchdowns. None of that screams, I am a tremendous prospect. But given the list of receivers that we talked about and the fact that he was heavily involved, or maybe not heavily involved, but certainly involved enough, you know, as a freshman receiving dominator of 0.15, yards market share of, of 17%, again, seven touchdowns. In the context of that Alabama offense, I think that's really hard to ignore. He's not that much bigger, 182. 5'10", so it's you can't really say he's that much bigger than Smith. But I yeah, think that the ways that... Um, I think he has a more all-around game, and though Smith might get taken a little bit higher, I still think a lot of teams are going to want to go after Waddle early, and it just feels to me like a player that might be able to make a more cleaner transition to the NFL, get going early. Um, and even if he's not quite as talented or as athletically gifted as Smith, I just think that um, if I'm comparing the two, I go back to that total body of work that we saw across his career. And again, these are guys that are fairly, from a profile perspective, bucketed in the same group. I think it's hard to make a case that one is radically better than the other.
1: Yeah, Waddle will probably be drafted in the first half of the first round. So just in terms of how the NFL evaluates these two guys, they will be, as you say, like very much in the same back, the same bucket. I think it's worth thinking a little bit more about, uh, the Smith and Jamar chase comparison. Okay. And so Smith, when he broke out, he was a 21 year old, uh, true junior And, you know, you can sort of excuse maybe the fact that he didn't do more earlier in college because he was playing with Judy and Ruggs and Waddle, like three guys who are first rounders. But, you know, at the same, the same thing really applies to Chase, who uh, was playing with Justin Jefferson, a first rounder who had, you know, like one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time uh, and playing with Terrace Marshall, who maybe he's not a first rounder, but he's got a really good shot at it. And, you know, we'll probably go on, uh, you know, like the first half of the second round, if he doesn't go in the first round. Yep. So he also had pretty strong competition from the wide receivers around him. And as a 20 year old true sophomore, sorry, a 19 year old true sophomore, he was the, the top receiver in the country. So I mean, I think clearly you have to go with Jamar Chase as the number one receiver in the class over Devontae
2: Smith. Yeah, perfectly, perfectly fair from my perspective. Any thoughts on Waddle that you wanted to share? Yeah,
1: I, I like Waddle.
2: Um, but
1: it has it has <laughs> less to do with his production and more to do with um the fact that the NFL is just so high on him, you know, he's probably going to go, let's say, I, I think the earliest would be pick eight, you know, the latest would be like pick 20, something like that. So he's going to go like in the meaty part of round one. Um, He was a true four-star recruit, Uh, you know, apparently has great athleticism and, you know, This isn't massive because it was just four games, but in the first four games of the season before he was injured, he was actually outproducing Devontae Smith, Um, you know, had 557 yards to Devontae Smith's 483 yards. They both had four touchdowns receiving, uh, you know, Smith actually had more targets, but Waddle was the more productive guy. You know, I'm not going to put too much on a, a four game sample, but, you know, you Put all of that together with his recruitment status, with his athleticism, with his projected draft uh, pedigree and like draft capital. Yeah. Like I, I think he's right there um, with, with Smith uh, and with whoever else you would consider to be at the top of the board at the wide receiver position. Like, I think it's a pretty deep position. So I don't have Waddle in my top three. um, But like, I don't have him all that far off of the top
2: three either. Got it. And as you said, I mean, I think that there's a lot of depth in this class. It's one, there's a lot of exciting names. Um, So that's a pretty strong grouping at the top. There's some more names I'm excited to talk about, but let's take a quick break. So we've crowned a Super Bowl champion and now the NFL draft is coming up, which means it's time to think about who can win it all next year and maybe betting a few dollars on it this time. Around this time last year, the Tampa Bay Bucks were 22 to 1 just to win the conference, which means a bet of $20 would have paid out over $400. So if you're thinking about getting in on the fun of sports gambling, I want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game in every major sport. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the team's professional gamblers are betting on.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and
2: conditions apply. Need to
0: hire? You need Indeed.
2: Catch winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the promo code RotoViz. This offer won't last long, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use the promo code RotoViz to receive 50% off. Another reminder uh, as well, if you use the promo code RVRADIO2021, you can get a 10% off uh, discount on a one-year subscription. So definitely check that out to learn more about all of these prospects. We have mentioned Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, a number of times, Matt, as I mentioned, played alongside Jamar Chase at LSU 6'3, 200 pounds. So overall, one of the larger players in the class. I like Marshall a fair amount. Um, I don't know, like I, I think you mentioned before, it looks like he could end up a day two selection. I think it's possible he might slip into the the end of the first round. Um, only 12 receptions, limited role as a freshman, 18 and a half years old, 46 receptions for 671 yards, 13 touchdowns in 2019. 2020, LSU played seven games, or excuse me, I, I actually, Marshall played in seven games for LSU, um, 731 yards, 10 receiving touchdowns, receiving dominator of 0. 0.46. In 2019, when Justin Jefferson was there, receiving dominator of 0. 0.19, receiving touchdown market share of 0. 0.27. This is a player that looks like he has good touchdown scoring ability. Uh, If you watch the tape of him, looks like a guy that can use his body pretty well, looks like a touchdown scorer. Sounds like you do like Marshall. Um, Any more thoughts on him before we get to the rest of the guys?
1: Yeah, he's a baller. Totally love him. Five-star recruit, uh, Wish he would have done more early in his college career. But whenever given the real opportunity to be the number one receiver, uh, totally grabbed that opportunity this past year. When he was just a total stud. Um, I think he will be a first rounder. I I think if he's not, he should be. Um, And I bet it will be, you know, near the end of the first round. That's where I have him projected right now. Uh, I mean, he's someone
2: I really want in Dynasty. You know, also the other thing to note too is... A player in that range can be attractive because they can land on a team that's a contender right away. And those are the teams with the good quarterbacks where there's a situation you step in and they have a usage for you and they're able to help you execute on that. Unlike what we might have seen with Jerry Judy, uh, you know, as a good example this past season. The other note on Marshall, only 20 and a half years old. At the end of his junior season so from yeah. a dynasty perspective this is a guy who has a pretty long shelf life and time to improve and ramp up as we as we move along
1: yeah like i i have him ahead of Jalen waddle
2: okay and, and just that's fair
1: a, a point of context yeah yeah
2: got it all right um a player that we have not talked about yet let's move to rashad bateman wide receiver out of minnesota 6-1 210, which as I mentioned earlier, this is a class that doesn't have a lot of big bodied wide receivers. So that's actually uh, makes him one of the larger players in the class. Um, As a freshman, 704 yards in 13 games, six touchdowns, ends the year 19.1. As a sophomore, 1,219 yards, 11 touchdowns, plays in only five games in 2020, 472 yards, two touchdowns, had a pretty solid receiving dominator his entire career. Um, Pretty exciting player. How much do you like Bateman, Matt?
1: I like him a lot. Uh, He, he can do it all. He can play inside, play outside. As you mentioned, he's got good size, Um, you know, was productive right away uh, at Minnesota and then really exploded in his second season. Um, You know, really pushed Tyler Johnson uh, when he was there, you know, for productivity, Uh, which was impressive for him to do at such a young age, Um, you know, Wish he would have been able to do a little bit more his junior season. But as you say, you know, played only five games, you know, COVID impacted situation there. So you can't really hold it against him. Like throughout his career in college, he showed the capability that he had. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a first rounder. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me either way, but I mean, no later than, second round, uh, is where he should be going. And he should definitely be in dynasty, a, you know, top 10, like
2: first round pick in dynasty for sure. Yep. And then, um, just to mention too, you've been doing a fair amount of work looking already, Matt, right at, uh, doing some mock drafts in the NFL draft. So you probably have a pretty decent handle on approximately where these guys should go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in, um, I've surveyed, maybe not quite 12, like respected mocks, you know, like, you know, some people haven't put them out yet, but in just less than half of them, he's gone in the first round. So like he's,
2: he's definitely got a chance to go in round one. Cool. All right. Final player. We will talk about a guy that I am not particularly sold on and I have trouble determining exactly where some of the enthusiasm for him comes from. And that is Kadarius Toney wide receiver out of Florida, 5'11, 189. Does have a career spanning four years at Florida, Um, only 15 receptions as a freshman, ends that year at 18.9, just 25 recs on 12 games in 2018, plays in seven games as a junior, only 10 recs, 194 yards and one touchdown. Closes off his career, uh, doesn't uh, reach the age of 22 by the end of the year, um, adds 70 receptions, um, 14.06 yards per rec, that's 984 yards, 10 receiving touchdowns, receiving dominator of .22, um, does have two rushing touchdowns in his career. So you're looking at a player that strings together a good final year, not a lot of production prior to that Um you know, not a ridiculously sized athlete. What do you think of Tony?
1: Um, I go back and forth a little bit. Um, I'm not super enthusiastic about him, but for some reason the NFL is. Yeah, and you know, so I just kind of have to have like the uh the self awareness to be like, hey, these guys know more than I do, so. Um, if they're going to think highly of him and they're going to I'd say like more importantly uh, put the draft capital in him like there's a good chance he's going to be a first rounder Uh If they invest in him in that way, um, then maybe he's a good player. And even if he's not, he still might have a lot of opportunity coming his way. Uh, The thing that I think you do have to like about him is that uh, his entire career, he did play as a, you know, like a multifaceted type of player Mm -hmm. where he was a receiver, he was a running back, he was a wildcat quarterback, he was a return man, um, and it really did all come together his final season where he was at that point, a full-time receiver, the number one receiver on the team, but he was still productive as a runner, still had a a punt return touchdown like that. um, Wealth of skill set is something that you do really like to see. And like, I do prioritize. And so um, I don't hate putting him in the first round of, uh, of like rookie dynasty rankings right now, but it's, A lot of it is driven by the fact that I think he's going to be a first rounder in the NFL draft. Um, And it's, you know, near
2: the end of rookie first rounders. Like, I I don't have him near the top. Got it. And and I think you make some fair points there. I probably should have mentioned, too, a total of 66 rushes in his career, 580 yards, in addition to the two rushing touchdowns. Yeah. so, yeah, there, there, there's other things that you can point to there. Um, and the NFL does like to see him. So I may have undersold the overall profile just a little bit uh but that actually is going to wrap up the receivers i wanted to talk about um on this episode so we will be back later in the week rounding it off in the meantime um i want you to go and rate review subscribe to the show if you haven't um, you can follow us on twitter at dave CabinF and at matt f the oracle email us rotovizradio at gmail.com and as always remember it's not a fantasy